The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt behind him, be, before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. This is the Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> Let's just jump into the deep end together. And our Gospel reading for today Matthew mentions a woman who has been menstruating for 12 years. So let's start there. She only gets three verses out of the 25. Yet her role in this gospel is profoundly important. So what do a bleeding woman and Jesus Christ have to do with each other. We will get to that. Twenty years ago, I bled for three months straight. Not twelve years, but it felt like it. I called my then mother-in-law, <clears throat> excuse me, who was a nurse. She asked me if I had taken a pregnancy test. I said, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I'm bleeding. Yes, she said, do it now. So I did, and the test came back positive. I got in to see my doctor the next day, only to discover that I had an ectopic pregnancy, which is a pregnancy in the fallopian tubes instead of in the uterus where it belongs. The pregnancy was not viable. That is to say, there was zero chance of survival for the baby. <clears throat> in addition, 
Undetected ectopic pregnancies can often be fatal to the mother. Two very profound things occurred to me in one single moment. One, my hopes for being a mother had been elated and then devastated within minutes. And two, my mother-in-law's advice probably saved my life. The pregnancy ended with a miscarriage. I both cried and bled for another three months. The moment I realized how much I wanted to be a mother was the same moment I knew I would not be, at least not at that time. There was also a higher likelihood of future pregnancies being ectopic. It was a very dark time for me. I know for a fact there are several women and families in this room who have experienced this and much, much worse. This was the only time in my life when I hated preaching. I felt crushed, my body hurt, and I had no joy to proclaim. In fact, for an entire month, I didn't preach at all. The president of my congregation stepped up and gave messages in my place. While this event opened up many conversations with women and farm wives who had kept similar stories secret, most men didn't want to even acknowledge what was happening. I was and still am confused as to why. There are certain human things that many people would rather keep locked behind doors, things like illness, death, menstruation, generally lumped into that category known as female issues, but not Jesus. <clears throat> In the book of Matthew, Jesus unveils the entire humanness of being human, both by modeling his own humanity and also by engaging humanity in an astonishingly bold and to some offensive ways. So far in the book of Matthew, by this ninth chapter, Jesus has healed a man of his leprosy, as well as the servant of an officer in the Roman army. Both of these are examples of outsiders. The first, an outsider because his disease renders him untouchable, and the second because he is not of the house of Israel. That is to say, he's not a Jew. But Jesus touches them and heals them anyway, because these men are humans, and because Jesus is merciful. Also, thus far in the book of Matthew, Jesus has preached about upending structures of power by blessing the poor, the meek, and the merciful. He has preached about adultery, divorce, and judging others. He has touched on all the hot topics of the day, then and now. So he's certainly not put off by one menstruating woman. In fact, even though she seems like an interruption in the gospel as Jesus is on his way to resurrect the dead daughter of a leader of the synagogue, Jesus takes time for her. In her three short verses, the word touch is used twice. She, who is by law untouchable because of her bleeding, touches Jesus' cloak, and Jesus heals her. 
This woman, in fact, shows remarkable boldness in that she doesn't even wait for Jesus to touch her. Maybe she's afraid <clears throat> that he would turn her away. So she sneaks up behind him and touches the hem of his cloak. He doesn't turn her away because he's merciful. Jesus then continues on his primary mission to the dead girl's bedside, touches her hand, and she stands up. Healing a menstruating woman and resurrecting a dead girl. Jesus touches <clears throat> and heals these women because they are human and because Jesus is merciful. Two men healed to women healed. Wherever he goes, Jesus leaves the crushed remains of gender constraints and patriarchal structures in his wake. According to Jewish law, which defines who is clean and who is unclean, who is touchable and who is not, who is in and who is out, excuse me, <clears throat> Jesus is doing all of the wrong things. He cleanses the unclean, he touches the untouchable, thank you, and draws into society those that society has cast out. Bleeding women, dead bodies, human beings twisted by disease, Jesus touches them all. All of them despised by the world, all loved by Jesus, because they are human and because Jesus is merciful. Doesn't coffee do amazing things? No, it's great. Jesus unveils humanness, both the glory and the glory, by directly engaging those things that society has tried to sweep under the rug. This is exhausting work. He knows this. So he teaches us self-care along the way. This is very interesting. Right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples discover Jesus asleep in the midst of a terrible storm at sea. While their boat is tossed to and fro, the disciples panic while Jesus sleeps. They wake him and he calms the waves, but herein lies how we are to weather life's storms. Call it what you will, a timeout, a mental health break in the midst of life when we are constantly interrupted by some beeping device or urgent crisis, either real or imagined, or being tugged on by our children, or beckoned at all hours by work, or alarmed by news that is ridiculous, Jesus asks us to rest just for a bit. Be assured, the world's needs will be there when you awaken. But sometimes, while things rage all around you, rest. Just for a bit. Jesus does it all the time. It's a bit more difficult for him, though, because whenever he goes to the mountains to pray, people chase him. Or whenever he gets into a boat, they wait for him on the opposite shore. It's not a problem for most of us, but the lesson is there. Jesus says, rest up. For there is much to come, and you will need the strength for the places where I will lead you. Jesus goes even further than healing only those with outward symptoms like blood and disease by then engaging those who are treated as untouchable due to their station in life. The very author of this gospel, Matthew, knows what it means to be treated as unclean. He's a tax collector, and people hate him. And yet over and over in this gospel of Matthew, his refrain is, Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. This from one who is shown 
no mercy by others until Jesus shows up. Jesus comes to Matthew and says, follow me, and then proceeds to go and eat dinner with Matthew and a whole bunch of other sinners, and the Pharisees are outraged. Look at him, they say. He <clears throat> sits with sinners and he eats with them. Well, let me just say, that's the table I would choose 100%. I'm absolutely sure that Jesus had a better time eating with them than he would have had with the hypocritical leaders who think too highly of themselves, sit up a bit too straight, and look down their noses at other people. Give me the sinner's table any day. Jesus desires mercy and not sacrifice. It's a refrain over and over in the Gospel of Matthew. Here, Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah, which was our first reading from today, where God says, hey, don't offer sacrifices to me when you've ignored and oppressed the poor and weak. Instead, be merciful to other people. Sacrifice is consumptive, that is to say, it is desperate, and it is unforgiving in its attempt to appease God. It's a bone a dog gives his master in order to get a pat on the head, begging for approval, tail wagging. Mercy, however, is generative. It creates relationship with God by loving the people that God has created, all of them. Whereas sacrifice looks inward, what can I do so God loves me? Mercy looks outward who are the ones in my community I can love as Jesus loves. In the end, if we're truthful, we're all unclean, all of us untouchable. Some wounds are easily seen by cast, splint, crutches, stitches. Some wounds, however, are hidden and have never seen the light of day. Some wounds affect the body, others affect the soul, the heart, the spirit. So by law then, we are all unclean, untouchable, bleeding externally or internally. But you know, shepherds were also considered unclean because their work was dirty, but God gave them front row seats at Jesus' birth. That's how God treats unclean people, by giving them the best seats in the house. All of humanity, untouchable. All of humanity healed by Jesus, who sheds his blood for all people, regardless of race or gender or job or how you vote or what beer you drink. Jesus has no time for such artificial obstacles, nor should we. Graduates, <clears throat> today's gospel is for you. It's not only for you. It's for all of us, but it's especially for you. Wherever you go next, Jesus calls you out into the world to touch the untouchable and love the unlovable without condition, without exception, paying special attention to the vulnerable in our midst, the refugees, those who are victims of racism and homophobia, children, those without homes, those without hope, those without family, those without resources, grads. 
God goes with you every step of your way in your next chapter in life. You have a loving God who created you and a congregation that adores you. Be merciful, be loving, but be bold. Go to those places where Jesus leads you, befriend the sinners, sit with them, eat with them. They're exactly like you, you will find out. Some will laugh at you, but who gives a damn? In my life, dinners with outcasts are the best meals I've ever eaten, hands down. In those places of our unveiled humanity, in tears, wept over disease, in gushing menstrual blood as we stare our own mortality in the face, in places of human alienation and judgment, there is Jesus Christ, and there is his mercy, and there is his love, and he beckons us to follow. Amen.